Parts of this book are inspired by Eitazaz Hassan Bangash, who died saving his school from a suicide bomber. I've changed names, locations, and details to serve my story. 1. From childhood, I suffered from occasional nightmares featuring the most vivid monsters and the most intense of emotions. A constant theme was helplessness. I was often paralyzed in my dreams. Or, if I could move, it was in slow motion while everything and everyone around me moved at normal speed. I would often wake myself by screaming. Deliberately, you see. In the throes of the horror, I would tell myself to scream, to scream until I was awake. When my father died, my dreams changed and became bittersweet. I had one terrible dream in which I saw him dead. After that, he was never dead, just far away. I never saw him in his casket, nor did my unconscious mind conjure the moment when an enemy's bullet took his life. He was always alive, and his eyes shone not with fear, but with regret and love. I would savor those dreams and seek to prolong them. And when, at last, reluctant, I woke, I would find my pillow wet. I think maybe dreams provide a type of balance. When life is good, dreams remind you that fear still lives out there in the world. When life is bad, dreams offer hope. I am Mara. I am 16 years old, and my dreams now are most often of my home, my school, my friends, past pets, objects I hold dear, and my mother and my ever-absent, ever-present father. They are dreams of loss and alienation, but not nightmares. Life is my nightmare now, and paradoxically, my dreams have become escapes. So, in the seconds before my eyes fluttered open, I was at my friend Susie's pool party for her 13th birthday. The sun was shining, but not hot. It seldom gets really hot in Marin County, California. The pool in the dream was overflowing, lapping around the legs of my chaise longue. My flip-flops were floating away, but in compensation, the water was carrying a bag of blue corn tortilla chips toward me, and in the dream I thought, well, that's a fair trade. I waited patiently for the flip-flops and the snacks to pass each other, indifferent to the fact that a current cannot flow in opposite directions at once. In reality, after that pool party, after that lovely, languorous day, I had a terrible nightmare in which the water kept rising until, immobilized, I began to drown. Now my subconscious mind goes back to that pool party as a pleasant antidote to the traumas I endure daily. The mind strives for balance, doesn't it? Balance has become a very important thing to me. Balance is the explanation for the indignities and cruelties I must inflict on the messenger's targets. I justify myself with that concept, hoping it is not an illusion or a lie, hoping that I am doing good and not evil. I no longer live in the land of suburban pool parties. I live in, well, it's hard to summarize the nature of my existence for the simple reason that I do not yet fully understand it myself. What I do understand is that there are things at work in this dull world that are more vivid, more bizarre, and more awful than rational people can easily accept. Everything about this life I now lead spells dream, 
and yet it is terribly real. I have moved through solid objects. Understand this. I do not mean that I have imagined doing so, or that we're still in dreamland, or that some spectral projection of me has done this. I mean that I have moved through solid objects. I have been transported effortlessly through time and space. I've been to a past I never experienced and to a future that is not mine. I have caused the world to rewind, to advance at half speed, to accelerate as though reality itself was just Netflix on my laptop. I have dived deep into the tortured, unconscious minds of people I did not previously know. These are not my powers, but power granted to me by gods older than any known to mortal man. It is the gods who labor to keep the world balanced on the edge of non-existence so that it should not fall into oblivion.